0: Welcome to Market Matters, our markets podcast on Making Sense, the hub for JPMorgan Morgan corporate and investment bank podcasts. In each episode of Market Matters, we discuss the latest news and trends shaping markets today.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Kate Finlayson from the FIC Market Structure team at J.P. Morgan. As you know, our team looks at evolving trading techniques and microstructural trends across fixed income currencies and commodities. Today, we're going to take a look at the U.S. municipal bond market, the broadened appeal of taxable munis outside of the U.S., and what trends we're seeing in terms of electronic trading in this space. And to do that, I'm delighted to have with me today Marshall Katane, who leads J.P. Morgan's Municipal Credit Analysis, and Mike Cassidy, who heads up trading for taxable municipal bonds. Welcome both.
2: Terrific. Thanks, Kate, for having us. It's awesome to be here.
1: Right. To get us started, Marshall, how would you compare the U.S. municipal bond market or munis to other fixed income asset classes? Let's take corporate bonds, for example, here.
2: Sure. So the municipal bond market is how we finance infrastructure in the United States. That leads to a very large market. We have around $4 trillion in outstanding debt. Sell $400 billion in annual issuance and support a range of different kinds of issuers. Everything from top tier, well known university names like Harvard, MIT, the University of California system, to debt issued by US states and major cities, to bonds backed by providers of an essential service like an airport or a toll road or a utility asset. And in terms of making the comparison to US corporates, what I'd say is while the muni market is smaller, it's still quite sizable. And taxable municipal bonds, and I recognize taxable municipal bonds is a distinction we'll get into later, that part of the muni market has doubled in size over the last few years with wider spreads than what you'd find in corporates, with higher credit quality, and importantly, in a world where issuance is coming shorter MUNIs are an easy way to find duration as well as portfolio diversification.
1: In today's macro environment with rising interest rates, what sort of backdrop does that set for MUNI investing? I mean, Marshall, have we seen any shift or impact in terms of investor sentiment?
2: Well, as it pertains to taxable municipal bonds... What I'd say is that as hedging costs have come down recently, we have seen a notable pickup in activity from buyers around the world. At the same time, domestic asset managers and insurance companies continue to be active in this space, reinvesting now at higher yields and lower dollar prices. And for tax-exempt municipal bonds, ETFs and separately managed accounts have grown dramatically, reflecting interest in this space from retail investors.
1: Thanks. So just switching gear a little bit, the Fit Market Structure team, you know, we cover various dynamics with respect to environmental, social and governance factors shaping investment decisions and trading. And of course, many muni bonds by their very nature and issuer base may fall into ESG-aligned sectors. As firms and investors continue to have an eye on ESG-style investing, Marshall, what are the synergies here?
2: Well, without question, ESG-focused investors will find product in municipal bonds. By their very nature, large parts of the debt in this market is issued to finance a social good, whether those be bonds issued for an educational purpose, primary school, secondary school, or a university, or a hospital, or an environmental project. And those could be in the energy sector or in sectors such as water and sewer utilities. Many of our issuers are also actively taking steps to disclose and highlight who they are through specific ESG reports and, of course, in their offering documents.
1: Okay, so you mentioned taxable muni bonds and we, we said we were going to talk about that. So I would like us just to talk through some of the things we've observed. So we've noticed there's a pickup in the appeal of taxable muni bonds. Why is that, Mike?
3: Well, first, it's important for us to differentiate between the $3.2 trillion, that is, domestic taxes and securities, and the $800 billion we call taxable municipal bonds. Those taxable municipal bonds are what's most relevant for international investors, and it's what's most directly comparable to corporate bonds. The bonds trade like corporates on a spread treasury basis. There's no special tax status, so the price is the price that's comparable to corporates. And generally, the yield pickup, they have similar liquidity and with the right parameters, These bonds are part of the domestic and global ag indices.
1: Okay, so Mike, why do issuers sometimes sell taxable muni bonds globally and other times sell tax-exempt muni bonds domestically?
3: Primary reason relates to use of proceeds. Not all deals qualify for tax-exempt status and the lowering borrowing costs inherent there. For example, some popular refinancings can only be done on a taxable basis. So it makes sense to offer those bonds to a global audience in the same manner and the same client base as U.S. corporates. In other cases, and this is frequently the reason universities and hospitals issue taxable bonds, there's a speed and ease of execution advantage to selling into the global market.
1: Marshall, talking of a global market for non-U.S. investors, what is the appeal of taxable muni bonds?
2: Well, there are several benefits of munis that immediately come to mind. The first one is that credit quality in this space is very high. Average rating is AA or better, and you know on both a long-term and short-term basis, default rates and ratings transitions compare very favorably to corporates and sovereigns. And while this is always a selling point for munis, it's something that should be especially considered as we navigate potential recession themes in the year ahead. And the second one is that the muni market offers duration I and mean, the bulk of our issuance comes in the 20 to 30 year parts of the curve. But there are bonds available every year, one through 30, and in some cases longer. So as an investor, you could find off year cash flows and very specifically target a particular maturity, for example, whether that be the 22 year spot on the curve or the four year spot.
1: I would imagine there's a portfolio diversification angle here, too.
2: Oh, for sure. Historically, some investors have shied away because they see the market as too fragmented and that there are too many issuers. And there are 50,000 issuers in total in the muni market. But to that, I'd say focus on the largest names, the most liquid names. For example, Harvard, MIT, Princeton, State of California, City of New York, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, or Chicago O'Hare Airport, Kaiser Permanente. Overseas buyers can get their arms around those credits as a starting point, and we can make a wide universe seem smaller and more manageable without sacrificing the reasons to get into the market in the first place. And finally, just from a logistics perspective, we can help make it easy. As you mentioned at the onset, I run a dedicated muni credit desk analyst team. Peter DeGroote publishes terrific research in this space, and our trading model covers 24-hour-a-day trading needs, including during Asian and European market hours.
1: So, Mike, corporate credit is often spoken about with respect to the evolution of electronic trading, how we're seeing incremental shifts, additional trading protocols, new tools in the toolkit, so they say. There is no doubt that the muni market is well-established, but given we've been speaking about the diverse range of bonds in the muni market, how is electronic trading being approached in this space?
3: Sure. This is my favorite topic to talk about in trading. <laughs> the reality is the toolkit is evolving daily. We expect to see electronification continue with focus on streamlining workflows in the bid and offer and processes, increasing portfolio trading and utilizing existing trade data. Clients can seamlessly pursue BidWanets through a direct connection to the bid requests they receive received from sellers across various platforms. It can be a real alpha driver for clients. In 2022, for example, the last full year of data that we have for BidWanets, a daily average of 1.1 billion bonds traded at least 10 basis points wider than the third-party evaluations.
1: Interesting. You mentioned portfolio trading there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. This is my second favorite topic to talk about. <laughs> we're we're engaging with clients around the world since many of our bonds reside in the domestic and global fixed income aggregate indices. We've done portfolio trades as small as 10 million for a managed account or over greater than 1 billion for a global asset allocation. It's an interesting way to take an immediate view on things like sectors, curve, spreads, and even ratings.
1: What is driving this increase in electronic trading, and what do you think, Mike, could shift things into the next gear?
3: I think it really comes down to using technology to organize and optimize. Four trillion municipal market that we've been talking about in this podcast has really longed for efficiency. It's 8% of the United States fixed income market, and in my opinion, it will not be left behind. In fact, with over 1 million unique bonds, munis can drive the next gear of innovation. An application of this is constructing portfolios with available bonds currently in the market. We will be able to instantly organize the massive amounts of data that we already have. In my ultimate hope, we're not far from query-based trading. Entire market for five to seven-year A-rated taxable healthcare bonds of borrowers that the client has already purchased in a specified timeframe, like let's say for the last seven years. Then we can electronically bid it at five basis points wider than the evals. Evals are third-party evaluations. And here's the real manual process. It's booking 100 trade tickets. I think we can get to a point where we straight through process the previously manual process I I highlight and have it all be done in one go. We're well over 1,000 municipal trades a day daily already. Our only option is shifting into the next gear.
1: Mike, do you feel that muni ETFs could play a part as credit ETFs have done for corporate bonds?
3: I certainly do. ETFs are drivers of real-time transparency on how the market perceives a particular asset type. They're already occurring for muni bonds, though much less frequently traded in daily volume. It's noteworthy that the size of the largest muni ETFs now rival their peers in corporate bonds. Example I most often like to use is the iShares National Muni Bond ETF, MUB, is $32 billion AUM relative to the corporate bond ETF, the iShares LQD is 35 billion AUM. That basis at 3 billion is the lowest it's ever been. Rewind three years ago, Kate, and that basis was 40 billion between the two ETFs. And when we think about taxable muni ETFs in particular, that's more of an ag index concept. The domestic and international ag indices have taxable munis in them. And that's where our largest borrowers like California, New Jersey Turnpike, Harvard and Kaiser, the names that Marshall mentioned earlier, those are the ETFs that they reside in. And it's also noteworthy on our bond clients, ETFs are rapidly becoming some of our largest counterparties.
1: Thanks, Mike. So Marshall, part of your role involves investor engagement. Clearly, there are a lot of aspects to the taxable muni market which are appealing how are international investors actually able to participate in this market?
2: Well, there are a number of ways. Uh, in terms of direct investing, the secondary market is generally the easiest because we can give you an instant price and an instant allocation. And along with that, we're doing more portfolio trades. And for investors, and this is you know particularly relevant for overseas investors, for investors who want to embed a matched currency swap, We can offer munis in a Spire trade, either as a single bond or as a basket.
1: I guess just quickly, you mentioned Spire there. So for listeners who may not be familiar with Spire, this is the single platform investment repackaging entity. It's essentially a special purpose vehicle program formed by a group of investment banks with the purpose to issue asset-backed securities.
2: That's exactly right. And while fixed income repack trades aren't new, Spire has a standardized legal framework and the SPV is managed and owned independently. So investors then can access liquidity from multiple dealers and they only have to face off against the single issuer. But to your original question around accessing the market, uh, the primary new issue market is of course an avenue to buy a larger size. It generally offers the best pricing. And in contrast to corporates, Our deal calendars are set and publicized weeks ahead of time. And finally, many overseas buyers are increasing allocations to U.S. third-party asset managers. That's a great way to get exposure to some of the more off-the-run type names that offer terrific value. So there are lots of ways to get involved, and we're happy to facilitate all of it.
1: Thank you, Marshall and Mike, for your thoughts today.
2: Well, thanks for having us. It's been fun. Certainly. Great
3: to speak with you, Kate.
1: From its sheer size, the muni market and its use, not only in the U.S., but abroad, and by all accounts, you know, its growing appeal, there's quite a bit to consider. But it's also quite exciting that we have this diverse market at our fingertips. To our listeners, stay tuned for more FIC Market Structure episodes. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Market Matters. If you've enjoyed this conversation, we hope you'll review, rate, and subscribe to J.P. Morgan's Making Sense to stay on top of the latest industry news and trends. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily reflect the views of JPMorgan Chase & Co. and its affiliates, Together JPMorgan and do not constitute research or recommendation advice or an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or financial instrument. They are not issued by J.P. Morgan's research department but are a solicitation under CFTC rule 1.71. Reference products and services in this podcast may not be suitable for you and may not be available in all jurisdictions. J.P. Morgan may make markets and trade as principal in securities and other asset classes and financial products that may have been discussed. The FICC Market Structure Publications, or to one, newsletters, mentioned in this podcast are available for J.P. Morgan clients. Please contact your J.P. Morgan sales representative should you wish to receive these. For additional disclaimers and regulatory disclosures, please visit www.jpmorgan.com forward slash disclosures. Copyright 2023, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved.